it's true that the world is an illusion. <clears throat> but that illusion can be very convincing when the organism is sick. <laughs> In fact, the whole test of spiritual development is to not be fooled when the organism is not able to function, that that makes it real. If anything, it makes it even more unreal. But since our justification of existence in this world is generally based on our productivity, uh, the inability to function often creates a lot of maya for people. Not for me, fortunately. <laughs> I don't function much anyway. But that <clears throat> is why my voice is a little weak tonight. And it's possible, even though I think this uh, gripe is 90% done, it could counterattack and uh, bring on a coughing attack or something, and I might have to exit stage left, and uh, Radha will facilitate in my absence if that were to occur, okay? We'll, we'll hope that uh, the voice holds out. And I apologize to those who um, I was unable to have sessions with this week in meetings uh, due to this uh, illness, but nonetheless, that will be made up as soon as possible next week. How many people are here for the first time? Ah, okay, wonderful. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, and someone's here for the first time in months. <laughs> Welcome back. Good to see you again. So we'll do some uh, basic uh, recapitulation of why why we're doing what we're doing which is always useful, I think, for everyone to remember, why am I doing this again? (laughs) The human psyche is extraordinarily complex and at the same time amazingly simple. That's the first paradox that we have to face in reality. There are many, many more, and we'll be having a whole seminar, a retreat, a week-long retreat on paradox and why it's important to be able to think paradoxically and break through illusions that are based on what seem to be contradictory opposites that are both true. So, the mind has a number of different levels to it. Many of us tend to live on the outermost level of the mind and not go too far inward because they either get scared or there is a repressive block to knowing too much, There is some kind of programming that uh, makes certain knowledge forbidden to you, uh, etc. So that first level of the psyche identifies with the physical body. And therefore, it is subject to fear of that body's death or its pain. or um, It's subject to desire on a bodily level. It's subject to anger. Uh, when it doesn't get its bodily needs met, it's subject to all kinds of hysterical meltdowns uh, due to the fact that it is identified with a perishable object. So according to the logic of that level of the mind, it makes sense uh, to be in a fragile and vulnerable state of consciousness and to defend against that vulnerability with all kinds of bravado or evasion or avoidance or of uh, different kinds of... uh, personality uh, quirks and uh, 
strategies in order to not have to put oneself at risk because one feels always that one is at risk in a world that is dangerous. <clears throat> However, to anyone who actually thinks about the nature of their consciousness, it's immediately obvious that you're aware of your body and your body is a vehicle, much the same as your car is a vehicle or your bicycle or your, your, um, your cow or your <laughs> whatever you happen to drive these days. I think there'll be more ox carts in Costa Rica soon than ever before, especially if this Ukraine thing uh, tends to uh, escalate further, which I think it will. In any case, I won't go there tonight. <laughs> but um, one realizes very easily that one is not the body. And it's through that realization that one can let go of about 90% of one's fears. And recognize that you don't know for sure, even if you were brought up in an atheistic culture, you have no proof that your consciousness does not survive the body. Right? You do not know. And there's a lot of evidence that there is, in fact, life after death. And uh, that there is something in the consciousness that transcends <coughs> your biography and this dimension of reality and the limitations of space and time and of the conditions of physical existence. Even if you don't know it for sure, something instinctively, intuitively calls you to discover the truth of that possibility, which I think is partly why people come to an institute like this. The second level that perceives the physical body is the mind. And the mind is constantly thinking about the physical body and how to protect it and how to deal with the potential dangers, etc. <clears throat> but that mind, because it's always scanning the situation and trying to improve its position in the chess game that it takes life to be, uh, it's always worried about its future moves and why it made such a bad past move and what can it do to make up for that and how do I improve my position vis-a-vis -vis this one and that one and whatever one you consider to be the other that it has most significant impact on your existence at any given moment. And so the mind never stops. As you probably know if you've tried to meditate, right? The mind never stops. It will not leave you in peace because it's not supposed to. It's supposed to protect you against every possible danger that could occur and to cause you to believe that you are the center of the universe by telling you how important you are and at the same time how bad you are so that you become the unworthy one who has to keep improving. So there's another paradox. You're the worst and the best, right? And, but, but it revolves around you either in a bad way or a good way or both. And so it, the mind is inherently egocentric. You're not thinking about somebody else's you know, problems. You're not thinking about my sickness, right? I hope you're not, but I mean, some people do. You know, there are Florence Nightingales in the world and all of that, but even then, why do they do it? Isn't that because it makes them feel better about themselves at some level? And it's their own mind working out 
um, how does this help me achieve my aims, my, my, my. Okay? So the my of the mind never uh, stops losing that perspective and is based on the idea uh, that I am as a separate individual and that I am is linked to the physical organism that accomplishes the, the goals of these strategic thoughts and narratives <clears throat> and so is always working and usually creating more suffering for you in the guise of helping you solve your problems. People can relate to that? Okay. Now, the good news is there is another deeper level of your consciousness that is aware of your mind that is actually not part of your mind. And that, when that part starts to activate and awaken, that's called the buddhi, you become a Buddha, all right? which also means you're out of your mind, but in a good way. <laughs> because the buddhi is that capacity for discernment of whether your thoughts make any sense or not, and whether you, uh, uh, when they tell you you're good or you're bad or you're this or that, that you should believe them. And so once you're, you're in, this is your intuition also. Once your intuition and your capacity for presence to your mind is activated, then you have access to the off button. Okay, and you can tell your mind, okay, it's time to go off, offline for a little while, I'm gonna meditate, and it will actually listen to you. But you have to be at that level of consciousness, of Buddha consciousness, in order to be able to press the off button. The mind cannot turn itself off. The off button is located in another room that the mind can't reach. And so the mind is always trying to turn itself off and that's hopeless, futile. Don't even bother trying. That's why in many meditation traditions they just say, just watch it, don't, don't try to stop it. You can't, you just make it worse. You add another level of agony to the one that's already there. Why can't I stop my mind? What's wrong with me? Why am I so weak? No, no, it's not that. It's that the level of, of thinking has nothing to do with the place where willpower exists, which is in this deeper level. Okay, so this is why every yogi, every tradition of meditation since the beginning of history has said, silence the mind. This is the first goal of meditation. When you reach that place where you are silently aware of the mind and of the body, then, and when you lose interest in them and you don't want to pay attention to them, then you have reached what is often referred to as the I amness, okay? Not the I am this or that, or I must become this or that, or uh, I have to fool people into thinking I'm this or that, or any of those kinds of thoughts, but the actual presence of the self. But it, it's the beginning of the self. But it's this, this booty that can then turn inward. It can turn the direction of its focus, not toward the mental activity and the body and the senses and the world that the senses seem to, uh, to take in. But no, what's the source of even that? Okay? That will then take you to the real self, which is always silent, and always beyond identification with either body or the mind, or even the sense of being a separate individual being of any kind, even a formless consciousness. It's even beyond that. 
And, and that's why they say that it cannot be reached. The real self, the absolute self, cannot be reached by any concepts, any thoughts, any uh, intentions even. <clears throat> it is totally beyond description and beyond uh, desire, uh, beyond even willpower. It's in a room located even deeper within than the will. So you can't get there by wanting to get there. Wanting to get there actually just brings you further and further away from it because it keeps you in that level of willing. And that's uh, one of those rat race uh, cages. But simply by letting go in the most radical way possible of all desire, all fear, all identification, and with intense curiosity, devotion even, love for the essence of what you are that allows consciousness to exist, which is the same power that allows the world to exist, that allows everything, the universe, to be. That power is ultimately what you are. And so when you, are, when you reach that level, the very center of your awareness, you actually reach the same consciousness that is what is usually called God, Satchitananda in the ancient Vedic tradition. Sat meaning true being, the real being, eternal being, that is beyond life and death and beyond all duality. Chit means the true intelligence that comprehends and has the capacity to create and sustain and transform worlds and lives and your own inner nature and bliss, joy, love, uh, a kind of happiness that nothing in the world can give you. Because any kind of happiness that the world gives you is temporary. And once it goes away, it becomes unhappiness, doesn't it? And so once, once you realize that, that anything you, you try to get to bring you happiness will all, also cause you the, even more devastation when you've lost it, you lose interest in that thing and you recognize that what you really want is happiness per se and that happiness per se that never leaves, that is eternal, only comes from the realization of the Absolute Self. And this is the only security you have and this is the only uh, power that you really have and this is the only uh, true understanding of reality, true wisdom and beauty that then is able to be adapted to and engaged with what had been thought to be the world and now is understood from the perspective of the mind of God. And then everything has a new value, a new meaning, a new significance that transcends whatever your individual ego thought it was, which turns out to be an illusion, maya, unreal, and yet we'll see the absolute significance and beauty of what it is in terms of the creation of, uh, of perfection from that ultimate intelligence. And therefore, all of your problems, what you thought were your problems at this level of mind, will be solved without having to think about them. Because they don't exist. They're not real. Nothing you thought was real is real from that perspective of what is truly real. Okay, so 
you don't have to fight for anything, argue with anything, redecide about anything. It's all instantaneously dropped into the ocean of bliss, and uh, the problems are let go of forever. None of this is difficult to do. It's only that there is a price that you pay for doing it, which is you lose your illusions, your limited goals and desires, the suffering that you were attached to because you were using it to manipulate situations. All the things that you, th- you claimed to want to overcome, you will realize now, a part of you didn't really want to overcome it. It was actually identified with it in playing a game. And now that it's actually possible to reach this ultimate reality and joy, you realize, well, wait a minute, do I really want this? Maybe I'm not ready, you know, because the implications of this are too vast, you know. I can't play the old games anymore. I won't know who I am. I won't know how to respond to people. I'm in the unknown and the unknowable. And it's the willingness to take the leap into that infinite, unknowable, and yet true self that will both solve all of your problems but will cause you infinite agony for the moment in which you are in the between between the two. Like, oh my God, what have I done? Mom, wait, wait. You know, it's that moment that you fear. What if it's a mistake, you know? What if I, I'm, I'm not happy with God consciousness, you know? Can I tell God, you know, I really wanted the devil? I'm sorry. You know. It's difficult to do that in that moment, and yet that's the fear. Once you recognize that this is inevitable anyway, sooner or later the screws will be turned to such a point that you'll say, I don't care, I'm going for it. But... How long do you want to wait? How tightly do you want the screws turned? (laughs) That's the choice that we have. And the screws are tightening pretty tight and pretty quick in this planet right now. And uh, the tightening process is increasing daily at every level. So um, that's up to everyone to make that decision about when you're ready to do it. But there's no moment like now because it can only happen in the present. So, all you need to do is keep recognizing I'm not the body, obviously. I'm not the mind, obviously, because I'm aware of the mind. And I am that presence that sees all of that, but what's the source of that presence? And when you trace back to the very core of your awareness, you won't have any question whether you've reached this or not. Okay? There will be no doubt because there will be an opening into a dimension of the real that is so beautiful and so powerful, so filled with luminosity and so filled with joy, but also for the ego that has not yet dissolved into it so full of terror uh, that you'll know you are approaching the zero point and about to pass through into another dimension of reality that's far more real than the one you thought what life was all about. So I would say to you, go for the adventure. You've come this far. You, know, you don't want to sit on the shoreline while everyone's jumping into the deep water and having a good time. So go for it. And uh, it can happen tonight.
Satchitananda, here we come. <laughs> Let's meditate.